What's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this edition of the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me today, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. we got a couple of things on the agenda for today's show, and kind of some breaking news as we're sitting here recording on a Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, this is for Thursday's show, but it's a Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, and uh, there's some rumors started to circulate late Tuesday night, and people started to panic somewhat, especially on the message boards. But nothing confirmed. Um, in, in some cases, they were kind of shot down. But then today, we do get word that Malcolm Parrish is uh, out with some sort of injury. We don't know exactly what it is. At least I haven't seen any report that says exactly what it is. Last night, the reports were on Tuesday night that it was a broken leg. I, I believe that's been refuted. That it's not broken. Uh, but we don't know exactly what it is. They're pretty tight-lipped about that kind of stuff. But it seems to be that he'll be out for four to five. five is that what you're hearing, Kurt? Four to five weeks? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that time frame could change as we haven't got any direct confirmation as of right now we're recording this show, but where it is right now, let's say about a four- to five-week injury, which would take us into, uh, what, about the second, third week of the season, depending on how fast he heals and how fast he's able to come back full speed. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get to that in just a second. So we do have a couple things on the agenda today, including that breaking news. Uh, we are going to open with a little recruiting talk. Uh, as it has to make us of being a big recruiting weekend for our Georgia Bulldogs, and uh, we also want to have some fun by taking a closer look at the 2017 signing class and looking at how each of those players uh, might figure into our plans possibly this year and also uh, into the future here in the next couple of years. But first, though, uh, don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We have a lot of plans to do some interactive things with you guys on Twitter uh, over the course of the season. So definitely make sure you are following us at Glory underscore UGA. We definitely want to have a, a very interactive season with you guys and get your thoughts on things going on during the season actually on the show. So definitely follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can also contact us through email at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com and on our Glory UGA Facebook page. Uh, if you have comments about the show or topics or the topics that we discuss, please do not hesitate to let us know what you think. Uh, also, for the newer listeners of the show, just a quick heads up that you can find the show on a variety of podcasting platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Stitcher and TuneIn app. So uh, absolutely subscribe to and listen to the show on your, prefer- plat- in your preferred platform. And if you get a chance, uh, it would be awesome if you could review the show and let's, let us know what you think so that we can make sure that we are accomplishing our goal of giving you guys what you want in your Georgia Sports talk. All right, we we're going to start with some recruiting talk. We'll get there in just a second, but I, I do want to just briefly, Kurt, touch on this news with uh, Malcolm Parrish being out for a couple of weeks here. So I, I guess just first question here, what kind of impact is this going to have on our season as we uh, have Notre Dame set up to play September 9th, second week of the season? It looks like Parrish will not be back for that game, more than likely. So what does that do to our team? Um, I think the biggest thing is it's going to thrust probably some of these young guys into the lineup a lot quicker. I mean, you and I talked about it before the show. Um, with that, you're probably going to see someone like Aaron Davis, who have been more or less kind of work at the strong and star position, um, go move down into that cornerback position where he's got experience, and then you're probably going to see J.R. Reed go to the safeties, the strong safety, and you know, it, there's a good chance it's going to be D'Angelo Gibbs playing in that star position. So it's going to, yeah. you know, force we're going to have to go with some young guys. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, we're losing probably one of our best tacklers, if yeah. not the best, in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and I know that you uh, are not the biggest Malcolm Parrish guy, but I, he brings a lot of senior leadership, a lot of experience to the team. And I, as you just mentioned, I, I do still think he's the best tackler on the team. And uh, that's a big part. I know when you talk about cornerbacks, you talk about coverage, but tackling is part of the game and being physical out there. I know he's undersized. I get that. But this is a blow. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, we'll be fine. And I hope we will be fine. We, we, and we may well be fine. 
But I don't want to just gloss over and say, oh, who cares? It's just Malcolm Parrish. It's not someone more important. I, I this You can't discount that experience out there because you're right. This is going to probably force us to rely on some inexperienced and young guys. I mean, I think J.R. Reed was going to start at safety no matter what. Um, Kirby loves him. He raves about the guy. I think it just uh, in his press conference on, uh, was it Tuesday night's press conference, he was talking about how he was one of the, the, the best moves they make was bringing him in. They didn't know, we didn't know too much about him. That he was a good athlete, got some speed to him, liked to hit, but hadn't really seen that much of him. We brought him in because we didn't have enough depth there, and he's panned out really well for us. So they love him. He was out there. Uh, start. He got a lot of time in the spring. He was out there starting at the open practice. So I think he was going to play regardless. It looked like Aaron Davis was probably going to be at the star position um, in our nickel sets. But now Aaron Davis is probably going to be needed at corner, like you mentioned. It's good to have him. I mean, Davis is not the uh, look. He's not the most physically gifted guy in the world, but but he's kind of a Swiss Army knife type guy that can play a lot of positions. Knows a lot of things out there, and he, he has some underrated athleticism. He has some length to him. So. Probably you'll see you'll see us move him out there to that cornerback position to replace Parrish, which in all likelihood, since he's been running with the twos and he was at the open practice, he was running with the twos. You'll see D'Angelo Gibbs probably in that star position if he can if he can hold it down. Tyree McGee might have something to say with that. I think Gibbs is a better fit there. He's bigger, more physical, so he can get more involved in the run game. Uh, and maybe Tyree McGee will figure out will figure in the equation at corner. Okay, we got. I think our coaches are going to have to decide what's the better look. Is it going to be McGee at corner, Davis at star, or Davis at star and uh, Gibbs at, or Davis at corner and Gibbs at star? So I, I and I, I don't have the answer for that. I think our coaches are going to experiment with some of those looks over the next couple weeks and figure it out. But uh, I'd say my odds-on pick would probably be Davis at corner, Gibbs at at star. Is that kind of where you're leaning? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that Notre Dame matchup, like, how does that affect us? And that uh, does that impact the way you're looking at that Notre Dame game at all? Because this this, um, this yeah, is an offense that can gonna, score points. It's going to really affect us. I think the biggest thing is we're going to have to get a lot, uh, you know, um, a lot of output from our defensive line and outside linebackers. So we're going to have to put pressure on the quarterback and not give him time to throw. Because yeah. if he has time to throw, that's going to that's where it's really going to affect us. They have weapons out wide, and their offensive line is good. And it's, that's, it's, it's it was already going to be a tough matchup for us. And I, I know Parrish wasn't a great fit there against a guy like Economia St. Brian, is like six five, tall, lanky dude. I was a great receiver, um, but. When you take one of those experienced players out of the equation in a big game like that, it, it sucks for Parrish. I feel bad for the guy, man. I mean, missing that Notre Dame game in all likelihood, that's tough. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Um, but they have some playmakers out wide against Notre, at Notre Dame. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I'm confident with Davis over there to a degree, and I really like Gibbs. I think Gibbs is going to be a really good player. But in that setting, in that environment, as a true freshman – Without playing really any at all, I guess against Appalachian State, if he's the guy out there, even if it's McGee, McGee hasn't played much at all. He hadn't played much at all. Has he played? I mean, he played maybe some mop up duty, the little bit of mop up duty we had last year, but he hasn't played any significant significant downs at corner against anybody worth a damn. He hasn't. So it's going to be very interesting to see what we do uh, heading into South Bend in a couple of weeks. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move on to the recruiting front here for a few minutes. Uh, on Tuesday night, I'm sure you guys all saw this. We landed uh, Elijah Moore, a five foot eleven, hundred and seventy pounds wide receiver, and I would say hundred and seventy pounds soaking wet. If you've watched this guy's t- highlights, uh, very very small dude, and he is out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, the well respected St. Thomas Aquinas down there in Florida. So, Kurt Elijah Moore, uh, getting it was this a big deal to you? How much did, did the, his commitment register on your radar? Oh man, it actually is a huge deal to me. The biggest thing is, you know, we have all been, you know, 
uh, a lot of people have been talking about Josh uh, Van and everything. And the, one of the biggest things that Van didn't like was that he was going to be asked to play primarily um, in Fly. the slot. He wanted to, you know, get the chance to play outside. Which is not and what I, he's built for. But yeah, and that's not what he's built for. And that's not what we need. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing um, is that this guy is the epitome of a slot receiver. Absolutely. He's... He's shit. He's got good speed, but he, he's shiftier and twitchier than he is fast. You know, kind of like in Isaiah McKenzie in a way. Uh, I, although I don't want to say every small slot receiver type guy is Isaiah McKenzie. He's bigger than McKenzie was, uh, at least taller. Uh, but he does have that that shiftiness, that elusiveness to his game, that that quick twitch kind of uh, uh, game to to what he does. And I, I think this guy's gonna be a good player. And I like what you said. Like he's. He, we needed that slot guy. He's going to be a really good compliment to the guys we brought in last year. Look at the guys we brought in last year. J.J. Holliman, about 6'2". Matt Landers, 6'5". Mark Webb, about 6'2". Trey Blunt, about 6'1", 6'2". We brought in some big outside receivers. We didn't really bring in a slot guy. So I guess you could say we got we got to kill Crumpton out of the Juco ranks. But in this class, it looked like we were going for more of the, of the slot, shiftier types with a guy like Elijah Mormon and even Karis Jackson as well. So I think he fits what we need. He fits the need. And the guy's a playmaker. Um, he's and, and by the way, you know, if people are, aren't all that excited about Elijah Moore, because I know his name hasn't been involved, we haven't been involved with him all that much until recently. We kind of he's kind of jumped up on our screen here publicly, but he is the now. I, I know it's still early, but as of right now, he's the second highest rated recruit in our recruiting class according to the two four seven composite. Hundred and eightieth nationally on the two four seven composite. He's actually inside the the top one hundred on rivals if you look at rivals. But uh, if you look at the two four seven composite, hundred eighth nationally, which ranks him just well a good bit behind Zamir White, but he still ranks our second highest recruit to date in this two thousand eighteen signing class. So yeah, I think this is a big pickup. Um, how does he compare in your mind to the other wide receivers we are after in this class? Um. The guys like Kyrus Jackson, Josh Van, those types. Uh, I think he's a little bit better at that position for what we need than what Josh Van is, and I think that's one thing. Like you said, you know, he's quicker in and out of cuts, and there's just different things that I think you know makes him better suited for that slot position. Yeah, I mean, do, do you like him over Josh Van, or is it just I mean, kind of splitting I hairs? Do. I think he runs crisper routes. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Josh Van, I don't want to hate on Josh Van. He's probably going to go to South Carolina. I don't want to be that guy who said, oh, he's going somewhere else, so he sucks. Josh Van's a good player, but you also have to understand, he plays at Tucker High School, and that is a wing, I guess a, a modified wing T type version, somewhat of an option offense. And so while they do throw the ball occasionally, he's not out there running the entire route tree at Tucker. He's just not. Uh, now he goes to camps and works on things like that, and, he, and he has, he's had some good showings at, at camps. Um, but... I think he might be a little further away. I don't know if he's quite as polished right now as Moore is. I think Moore has got a little more experience in running the types of routes and doing the types of things that he'll be asked to do in a college system. Not all of them, but he's, he's a little closer to being ready to play right now. But their games are very similar. Uh, I don't think there's too much of a difference between the two. Uh, now, tell me if you disagree, but I think the, the most likely scenario here is that we've probably taken two receivers in this class, considering we took four, five, if you include Crumpton last year. Uh, we're probably taking two in this class, and it looks like Kyrus Jackson might be a guy who's going to be committing to us. Might already be a silent commit. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I really believe in silent commits anyway. Uh, but uh, he'll be—he's committing on Saturday, and we had po- possibly one spot open uh, outside of Kyrus Jackson. And in my mind, what probably happened was we told Van, we told Moore, it's the first one to commit. Is that kind of how you look at that? Um. Yeah. I mean, they've been telling Van. You know, they've been complaining at the Georgia. We're pushing him. 
But when when it fast it matters when you only have two spots, you have to be because it's either you jump on it or there's no spot. I mean, yeah. right now if, if Jackson commits on Saturday, then if Van down the road's like, oh, I want to commit to Georgia, well, it's too late. Sorry, dude. Yeah, and we try to tell you, we tried to we tried to tell you, you had to go ahead and pull the trigger if you want to come here. And I mean, he meant you're right. He mentioned that in an article. I can't remember where I read it. Rivals two four seven somewhere. But Van uh, in the interview mentioned that. Uh, one of the reasons that South Carolina was his leader, he didn't name them his leader. I think it was on Rivals, maybe a Trent Smallwood article. I'm trying to attribute that to the correct person. Uh, so if it wasn't Trent, sorry whoever it was. Um, but um, in that interview, he basically says South Carolina leads, and one of the reasons he likes that, he, he, he's he's so high on them, is that they're not pushing him, like you mentioned. Whereas we were kind of really pushing him to commit. It's like, come on, come on, jump on board, jump on board, jump on board, where they were more laid back with it. And they could afford to be. They're probably going to take a few more receivers than we are. And uh, we probably knew that there's a good chance, and I don't know, it's a good chance that Kyrus Jackson might have already given us some sort of indication that he was going to be jumping on board, he was a silent commit, something along those lines. And we realized we had one spot open, and we're recruiting multiple guys. We even recruited Anthony Schwartz out of Florida, the track guy. So we're probably telling these guys, look, we got one spot left, and it's probably the first to commit, because those guys are very similar in their games. Um, I don't think there's too much of a difference in, in their in their ceiling. So probably the first one to commit, and it looks like Moore was that guy. Chose us over Ole Miss, and I'm happy to have him, man. Welcome to the Bulldog Nation, Mr. Moore. Uh, so, also, it was great to land Moore. It was. It was awesome. I think he's going to be a good player for us. A nice fit. But uh, we might not be done for the week as outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari is also scheduled to announce his commitment today. If you're listening to the show on Thursday, it's Thursday. We're recording this Wednesday night, but today, as in Thursdays, when you're listening to it. Uh, and Kyrus Jackson, uh, out of Peach County, wide receiver, is also slated to announce his college choice on Saturday. So, Kurt, let's look at Aziz Ojolari for a second since he's you be competing on Thursday. Where does he rank on your outside linebacker board? Honestly, right behind Adam Anderson. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that just uncommitted targets, or is that all of our targets in general, even the ones committed like a guy, let's say, Brenton Cox, committed to Ohio State? Um, you know, Brenton Cox, I could see him really developing into a three technique. Um, I, like, I could like see a, a three technique. I could see a five like technique. I mean, a five, yeah, yeah, yeah. five, but like a lead better. Yeah, um, he's a little bigger. And that's where I could see him really developing. But I think that Olatiari, however you say it, has really been coming off the scene lately, and he's raw, but you can really see that he's start what he has. I mean, the guy ended up getting an invite to the opening and really had a great showing. So I think he can show that he can do it against top talent. Yeah, he really impressed the opening, like you and mentioned. I mean, and, and if I'm putting it, I mean, I'm putting him number two on the list of realistic targets. I mean, you could go out there and offer all the five stars, number one, to each position. But realistically, I think from the guys that we'll get, I think What it's about a guy big. like, compare him to like K.J. Henry or Micah Parsons? I think he may have a bigger ceiling. I mean, K.J. Henry's been dropping he's, the ranking. Micah, he's more Micah explosive Parsons. than K.J. Henry. I, I believe that right now, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, K.J. Henry to me is another dad from Bellamy. I think I think I think KJ Henry could be another guy like you mentioned, Brenton Cox, and maybe depending on how his body grows and develops into a, I think he grow into a five technique guy just like I think. Yeah, Cox I mean could. that's the thing about both. I mean, even Michael Parsons is getting a little big. Yeah. Um, all those guys could grow into a five technique, um, kind of like what you're seeing with Chauncey Manack. I mean, the guy yeah. is getting a lot of reps at the defensive line right now. Right now, that's all he's working at, really. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You can see him at the five, and that's what I think. All those guys you just mentioned could be fives and. I think Adam Anderson and Olgiari are guys that are true outside linebackers, and that's not going to change. Yeah, they're true pass rushing outside linebackers. A guy like Leonard Floyd. And Olgiari is not he, – he doesn't have the frame right now to grow into a five-tech guy. You're absolutely right. He's an outside linebacker, pass rusher all the way. 
Um, I mean, you're right about the uh, the showing he had out there in Oregon at the opening. Really caught the eye of a lot of those uh, evaluation guys, the recruiting analysts. In fact, in uh, the two four seven, their straight two four seven rings, he's in the top twenty five. Uh, over there at 247. Now, in the 247 composite, which takes into account all the different services in their rankings, he's uh, he's moved up to 138th overall, which if you... What, and that's in a short time. That's a very short time. I mean, he was he was completely off the radar for a while there. And in fact, we, we waited and waited and waited to offer him, but now he's kind of blown up, and we've gone after him hard. He's got a younger brother who's also reportedly very good. I've not seen his younger brother play, but I hear he's, he's very good. You hear that a lot. We'll see how he grows and develops, but we hear that he's good, and getting his brother... If that happens, does not uh, does not hurt at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm really hounding him too. He's a very explosive. Uh, he's he's got a very good first step. He's got a great motor. Uh, he he does a pretty good job of converting speed to power uh, using that motor. He, he, he like most guys at this stage in the career as pass rushers, he's got to work on his pass rushing repertoire. He, he relies on a lot of raw just speed and talent right now because he just out athletes people at at this stage of his career. He's not going to be able to do that consistently in the SEC. So he's got some polishing to do, but the raw material is there. I mean, the raw talent is absolutely there. I would be very excited if we get this guy. Um, or, or, what would you – so if he commits to us on Thursday, what's your reaction going to be? you good with that? I'm excited. I mean, I think he's going to be a good player. I, mean, I really do think he's going to develop and get better as the time goes on. Yeah. What about him and – what about Caleb Tanner? Who do you like more out of those two? Is it Ojolari or Tanner? I'd actually have to go with Tanner because Tanner's a little bit longer. Which, yeah, um, I'm really high on Caleb Tanner. I, yeah, I think, Tanner, Tanner reminds me a little bit of uh, Robert Beal. Yeah, I, I think a longer version of Beal. I, I think that's that's a that's a good way to put that. Uh, he's explosive like Ojo. They're both very explosive players. They both have quick first steps off the ball. I think Tanner might be a, a little bigger at this stage. Uh, I without, think Tanner's a little bit more polished. Yeah, I, th- I do. I agree. I think he's a little more polished. Uh, I think he uses his hands a little bit better at this stage. Again, we're splitting hairs, but I think and I also think he's a little bit bigger than Ojolari right now. I think that I would love to have them both. If we, if you give me Tanner Ojolari, and uh, if we get Adam Anderson back in the fold, do we just hit a home run? Kevin Shear just hit a home run at that position. Yeah, especially after last year, uh, we, you know, we got quite a few inside linebackers, but other than yeah. Beal, Beal, there wasn't it. much on the outside. Because Hunter, Jaden Hunter, who we thought might be an outside backer, he's playing inside right now. Maybe he grows into an outside backer, but right now he's on the inside. So, uh, yeah, we need, we need to kind of restock the coffers there, especially with uh, Bellamy and Lorenzo moving on after this year. Uh, so I think if we can land those two and get Anderson back in the fold, which I feel is a very strong possibility, and you guys know if you've listened to the show, I think Adam Anderson's the best pass rusher in the entire country in this class, bar none. Um, I've just seen him dominate elite talent at the high school level. Uh, so I, I'm, if we can get hit those three, dude, we just, we just knocked it out of the park. No doubt about it. All right, let's transition here into some talk about the newcomers to our program in 2017. We're going to include freshmen and JUCO guys uh, in this conversation. And, and we're going to have a little fun with this. What I'm going to do, uh, and Curtis has not seen these questions, so, I'm gonna, so forgive him if he has to think about them for a second. But uh, I'm going to throw a question at Curtis and give him a few options to choose from out of the guys that are part of this incoming 2017 class, freshmen and JUCO guys. Some questions will be will be repeated, but with a new set of names, so keep that in mind. And I tried to include everybody. I think the only guy maybe I didn't include in this, at least in one of the questions, is Demarcus Hayes, possibly. But outside of that, I think I hit on everybody at least once. So I think this will be fun, uh, kind of a good way to look at all the new guys coming to the program. And, and let's be real, guys. The reason we want to do this show is the newcomers are often the most popular guys on the team because they haven't had a chance to disappoint you yet, right? Everyone else on the team at some point has probably disappointed you in some way. 
uh, outside maybe Nick Chubb because he's a baller. Um, although, I don't know, some people were disappointed in him last year. I heard some criticism, mostly related to the injury, but still heard some of that. But these guys have not had a chance yet to disappoint anyone on the actual field of play. So they are a very popular topic of conversation. But also kind of uh, it's the whole idea of, of the, the next big thing, the hope that they bring. So uh, I thought it would be an interesting way to kind of look at all these guys. So, Kurt, you ready for this, man? Yeah. All right, all right. First one here. I'm going to throw out a couple of names to you, Kurt. I want you to answer this question. Of the three guys I'm going to throw at you, I want you to tell me which one is the most likely to start game one against Appalachian State. J.J. Holloman, D'Angelo Gibbs, or Andrew Thomas? Which one of those three is most likely to start game I'll one? I'll have to go with Gibbs just because the fact of the injury has really pushed him forward. Yeah, and I wrote this. I wrote all these questions before the, the injury news came out. With uh with Parrish, but yeah, I totally agree with you, Gibbs, 100%. Now I think he's going to be the guy at star. Um, there's an outside chance that Tyree McGee can figure into this equation, and he, he he'll definitely put up a fight. Uh, anything that we know about McGee is that he's a very competitive dude. Is what we hear. Uh, but I think Gibbs is the guy. If if Parrish had not gotten hurt, would you still have gone with Gibbs? Uh yeah. I might have gone with Andrew Thomas if it wasn't for for the Parrish injury. I think Thomas is going to start. At one of those positions, whether it's right tackle, left guard, I think he's going to start. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I just also At this think point. Gibbs has really positioned himself coming in in this fall. Yeah, I, in yeah with, with the injury, I think it's going to absolutely press Gibbs into service by necessity. So I think he's the better option here. I think he's the odds-on favorite in, in that group there. All right, let's go to another – same question, but another group of players here. So – of this group of players, Kurt, which one is most likely to start game one against Appalachian State? Isaiah Wilson, Richard LeCount, Akil Crumpton. Probably Crumpton. Really? Where at? What position? I think he, I just see him getting some reps in slot, and also you have but a starting? kick return. I, well, I think the kick returns where it's going to get him yeah. on the field, and then slot, I mean, you're going to be rotating guys in and out. I think he's going to be pushing so, one of those two positions. So if he's a starter at punt returner, does that make him a starter? We're going to go with that. Uh, I would like to say so because yeah. you can change a game doing that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might not get a ton of snaps at punt returner, uh, but if you're the first one out there, technically you're a starter, right? You're a special team starter. So I'm gonna go with Crumpton too because I think he's going to be the punt return guy. I, I, I don't know about kick return. Maybe uh, I still think Nico Harmon's going to factor in there, but I think Crumpton's the odds-on favorite right now to be that starting punt returner to open the season so in that case I'm with you man I'm gonna go with Crumpton as well uh all right similar question a little bit different of the following guys Kurt which one is most likely to start a game at some point this season not necessarily game one but at some point this season Malik Herring Amir Speed or Notori Johnson I'm gonna go with Amir Speed I think he has exactly what the coaches want and um, I think that's what's going to give him the opportunity. I would love to see him get to start early in the season. Like I would love to see him get a chance to start game one because physically, look at him, he's got a great-looking body. I mean, and I mean that in a football sense. Uh, this guy is long, he's quick, he's fast, he's fluid. I really like him from a physical standpoint, but his head is still spinning based on what we saw and based on what we were hearing. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be ready early in the season. I think in the later in the season he will be ready, but where is he going to play? Whose spot is he going to take? Because someone's going to have to, for him to start, someone's either going to have to A, get hurt, or B, be playing like crap. And I don't know if I see someone playing poorly enough for speed to come in there. 
it just depends on the fact is is he better than someone maybe like Baker or someone in his cover abilities. But I think Baker's gonna have to be really bad for that to happen. Yeah, I mean you just never know though. I mean I yeah. think he's got the one, one that can do it though. Start a game. This is a tough one. I, I think Malik Herring could see some time potentially. I don't see him starting. Uh, I think we have too much depth at that position. Uh, Notori Johnson. Ooh, I like him long term. I think he is a good fit for us on the interior, bigger body. I don't see. I don't really see him starting at all this year. Do you? At any point? No. I don't think. I think he needs to get his body in a little bit better shape. Uh, I do like him long term. I think he's going to be a very good player for us and really be a major factor us for years to come. I just don't know if it's necessarily going to be this year. And he, to this point in fall camp, about two weeks in, two and a half weeks in, he hasn't made a ton of noise. He hasn't been repping with the ones at all, really getting much time with the twos here and there, but not a ton. So, yeah, I guess some your speed. If I had to go with one of those, I don't know if any three of them are really likely to start a game at any point this season, but I, I agree that mirror speed might be the most likely of those three. All right, uh, next question here. Which of the following is most likely to be a first-team All-American at some point by the end of their career? First-team All-American by the end of their career. Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, Jake Fromm, or DeAndre Swift? Um, I'm going to go with Andrew Thomas. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to end up being the left tackle. I think the biggest thing is that left tackles get a lot more notoriety. um, More so than anyone else in the line. Yeah, more so of the offensive line. That's why I give him over Wilson. I think. Well, I think Fromm will be good. I mean, we're never going to be a program like you know, like you see these other schools like Oregon or Louisville that gives you know Fromm the ability to do what you know. He's not going to put up video game numbers in our offense. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not going to put up video game numbers either. Swift, he's not going to be able to put up video game. You don't numbers. think so? Well, not with how stacked we'll be. But we've had some guys put up big numbers. Yeah, but I, I mean, at the time when it happened, even when you know Gurley's putting up those big numbers, we didn't have all those people there. I mean, right That's now true. you're thinking of Swift. I mean, you've got him, Holyfield, uh, Harry, and Zeus, and maybe even Cook or someone. I mean, all those guys are going to be taking reps away from him that gives him the chance at the video game numbers. Yeah, but he's also got that versatility where he can play different spots. He can put him in the slot. Oh, yeah, but production. I just still don't, we're just we we don't focus on one person enough like that. Right. Dude, I hate to disagree with you. All right, no, I hate to agree with you as much. Sorry, I hate to agree with you as much. I, I like to actually have a little disagreement. It makes for a better uh, podcast here. But I agree, Andrew Thomas, and for exactly the reason you said, left tackles get more notoriety on the offensive line than anyone else. And I, Jake Fromm, who I think is going to be a stud for us at some point, I agree with you that in, within the confines of our offense, he's never going to put up those video game numbers that are going to blow people's minds to the point that they're going to that he's going to qualify. For Heisman Trophy All American type conversation. Now, maybe if we're, you know, if we win a national championship and he's putting up solid numbers, he could be in a Heisman Trophy conversation. But first team All American, I don't know if we'll put up those kind of numbers. Uh, first team All SEC, I could see, uh, but he's not going to put up those video game type numbers. Swift, I, I could Swift. I had a tough time between Thomas and Swift here. I think Swift could be a really good player. I'm very high on him. But you're right, there is a lot of depth coming in right now. They haven't done a ton yet, or really anything. Um, they neither is Swift, but I, I'm high on what he brings to the table. And like for me, so for me, it comes down to two offensive linemen, Wilson or Thomas. I think Wilson's a, a ready-made right tackle. I think that's why he's going to be long term. I think Thomas is a left tackle prospect all the way. Uh, he's probably not going to play left. He will not play left tackle this year. I, I wouldn't imagine, barring injury. Uh, but the thing else, you also have to factor in this. He's going to. I think he's going to start this year, right? At, at some point. So yeah. he'll have name recognition based on that. He's a, if you start as a true freshman. 
people will know who you are because, oh, this is offensive lineman starting as a true freshman, kind of like Jonah Williams at Alabama. I know we're not the profile of Alabama yet, but people will know him because he's going to start as a true freshman, move over to left tackle probably as a sophomore if things go as planned, or maybe at some point this year. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. And if he does a great job as a left as a franchise type left tackle, who's going to get some talk potentially as being a high first round draft pick? Absolutely, he could find himself. Especially if we have the kind of team success, because a lot of this is all American list is about team success and, and kind of your reputation. So you have the reputation by starting as a true freshman, and then if you're if our team has the kind of success that we expect us to have over the next couple of years, I absolutely think you can see him fall into a first team All American category by the end of his career at some point. So I'm with you there, man. All right, one of these we gotta disagree, man. We gotta disagree on one of these. Uh, all right, same question, different group of guys, maybe not as high profile. Um, so of this group, who is most likely to be a first team All American by the end of their career? Nate McBride, an inside linebacker. Robert Beal as a pass rusher. Trey Bishop, wherever the heck we feel like placing Trey Bishop, somewhere in the secondary probably. Uh, or Akil Crumpton. Hmm. Um. Probably McBride. Really? Just the pure because athleticism? I think that he could, he could give you the type of things that Roquan, he could grow into a position like Roquan. His ceiling athletically is that high. My question for him is, are you mean and nasty enough to be a true linebacker? Are you willing to strike people, to coil and strike like linebackers need to? Because I didn't see that from him consistently at a high school. I know he missed basically a full year, would set back his development at that position. But from, you're right, from a physical standpoint, like he's got all the God-given talent you'd ever want. But he's, I just need to see the linebacker nasty type attitude from him. And, I, and that's something that I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't have. I just haven't seen it consistently. You know what I mean? But, yeah, uh, but yeah he's, got, he's got the physical tools to be a, a Roquan Smith type guy. Absolutely. So I agree with you there. Although I'm gonna, I am going to disagree with you on this one. Although that's not a bad choice at all. I'm going to go with Akil Crumpton. I'm going to go with Crumpton, not as a wide receiver, but as a punt returner. If he's as electric as we think he can be, and we hope he is, I, I, look, I've seen the guy, I've seen his highlights a couple times, and I watched him at one practice. I haven't seen the guy in action outside of that. So just want to put that disclaimer out there. But what I saw from him is, and, I, and again, it's hard to say because Isaiah McKenzie is going to, he's going to start for the Denver Broncos this year. I saw a, perhaps a little faster a little quicker version, and maybe even a little bigger, although he's not much bigger than, than McKenzie was. That's true, and he could make a difference for us as a punt returner. I absolutely think he could potentially sneak in as an All-American punt returner. As, I, I think that's possible. I do, more so than the other guys, if I had to pick right now. All right, uh, next one. I hate, I hate to do this question because I, I don't like hating on our guys. I really don't. But let me see what you think here. Which of the following players will have the least impactful career at Georgia. The least impactful career. Eric Stokes, Latavius Brini, Walter Grant, and I'm also going to throw Nate McBride in here because there are people out there who don't know if he'll actually, like I mentioned, be a great college football player. He's a great athlete, but will he be a great college football player? So I think Eric Stokes. Yeah, why are you picking him? I think he's just so far behind everyone else. He was a project coming in. Um, there's no doubt about it. He's got great speed. He's got. He's another guy that has all the athleticism that you need. But he was pretty raw coming out of high school. Although his senior tape, once that was released, made me feel a little bit better about us taking him because his his junior tape was not all that inspiring at all. Uh, he was a long way from being ready to play in the SEC. But I, he's the senior tape made me feel a little more comfortable. But it, I, I agree. Uh, Brini, I kind of I was looking at Brini and Stokes here. 
And I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Stokes at this point. I think we have corner. I mean, look, I, I think Amir Speed's going to lock one of those spots down. Maybe Poole locks the other one down. We'll see what we get in this class. Bream might have a chance to fill in at, at corner at some point. Maybe get some safety, some safety work. But it, I think it would be between those two. I think Walter Grant looks a lot like Leonard Floyd. I'm not going to sit here and call him Leonard Floyd because he's, we haven't seen him yet. I mean, we have not seen this guy play. But just look at him stand out there. Now, he wears Leonard Floyd's 84. He wears the same number. But just he looks like tall, kind of lanky, thin right now. Not quite as thin as Floyd was. But uh, I, there's definitely a resemblance there. So I think he's going to be a really good pass rusher for us. I like what we've seen on him. He's, he's raw. He's got to work on it. And I think Nate McBride's going to be at least a solid player for us. It remains to, I think we have to kind of wait and see how good he actually is, if he actually translates that that raw, God-given talent into becoming a, a, a maybe a first-team All-SEC caliber linebacker. Uh, I'm hopeful, but I, I think he'll at least be a good contributor for us. Uh, all right, next one here. Which of these players will have the most impactful career? Okay, The most impact, not the least, but the most impactful career. I'm going to look at the three linebackers we brought, inside linebackers we brought in from this class. Name it Bride, Monty Rice, or Jaden Hunter? I think Jaden Hunter because I think he's very versatile and he may be, get some reps inside or outside. I, I can see that. He needs to put on some weight right now. He's a little light in the britches, uh, but that's fine. He's a, he's a young guy. He can put on some weight. He's got a solid frame. Uh, the most impactful career? Ah, oh, man. I might get burned by this, but... I'm going to say it, Nate McBride, just because his ceiling is that high. I don't know if he'll reach his ceiling, as we talked about. I don't know. But, man, if he comes close, he could be he could be an All-SEC player, maybe even a borderline All-American if he reaches that ceiling. I just got to gotta see it from him. I'm going to go with McBride. I think I like all three of the guys. I think they can all three play a role for our team. Um, I think moving forward you might see a Nate mcbride Monty Rice combo there on the inside. And Hunter could get some time too. Uh, I just – I think he might be a tweener. He's – He's one of those guys that we recruit him as an outside linebacker. We move him inside because he's not quite big enough to hold up on the edge right now uh, and run situation on the defensive line. So I just want to see what his body grows into and how he develops before I say anything conclusive on him. But yeah, if, if McBride reaches his ceiling, I'll say of those three, will have the most impactful career. Uh, all right, let's move on to some receivers here. Which newcomer at wide receiver will have the most receiving yards in 2017 this season? J.J. Holloman, Matt Landers, or Mark Webb? I think Holloman. Why are you going with Holloman? I just think that, you know, once again, he got here early, um, which will help him get on the field. And I think he's just, um, while I think if the, the closest competition would be Mark Webb, I have to go with Holloman. I think he's just a little bit better, and I think he can play a role Um that we just haven't had. I think he's a little bit stronger than Mark Webb, and I think he's a little bit quicker, too. I don't know if he's stronger. I, I could see him being quicker. Webb's, Webb looks good. He is freaking ripped right yeah, now. He's, I mean, yeah, but Holloman, he, he just, I mean, especially in the spring game, he would look like our biggest receiver. He looked great in the spring game. I was, And I'm, I'm super high on Holloman, on both of them. But my concern right now for this year, and I, and I know you're right, he was here in the spring, which does give him a, a leg up, but... He's been out for a while now. He's been kind of doing doing certain things with the team, but he's been nursing a hamstring injury ever since the open practice, and I think that's kind of hampered his development a little bit here as he's fighting because he'd be fighting for playing time right now. So I don't know if he's been able to capitalize on the fact that he was here early. I think it's kind of 
pulled him back to the rest of the crowd. And it's allowed Webb to get some work with the ones. At least in the open breaks, we saw him getting work with the ones. He's been working, he was working outside. He's got a little work in the slot as well, which tells me if we're working him outside and in the slot, we see either A, we just see this guy as a smart guy who can, who can, kind of at an early age handle playing multiple positions and learning multiple positions or B we think he's good enough to play and help us and we're trying to get him to learn as many positions as possible so we can fit him in the best spot so I think I think they're both going to play I think it'll be I think they'll have similar numbers this year ah, man this is tough for me alright I've said when we when we signed him that Hobbin had the highest upside of the receivers we signed and I'm going to stick with that for now I'm going to go J.J. Hallman, but just by a hair. I think Mark Webb's going to do some good things for us this year as well. Uh, all right, next one. Same, our similar question. Which of these following newcomers will have the most receiving yards in 2017? DeAndre Swift, Akil Crumpton, or Trey Blunt? Uh, going to be Akil Crumpton. <sighs> Even though that slot position might be a little cramped right now, you got Miko Harmon, you got Trey, or you got Terry Godwin and Crumpton. I mean, the thing is, recently it's been said that Crumpton and practice force has been getting some first team looks at that position. Yeah. You know, he's not going to start over Godwin, but he's still getting some yeah. reps. And Terry's been working outside a little bit more. Cole's not. You're right. I, I was I was blown away and, and by also, what I saw I mean, from him. I think Swift could get some yards. Any play like that, I would think would go to uh, to Sony first. Yes. You're right. I, I think that's the case. I think Swift's going to do. I think he's going to help us this year. I think he's going to play. He's going to help us win games. But I, I was blown away by what I saw from Crumpton. I, ex, I expect him to be a good return man. I did not expect what I saw from him uh, in the slot. I think the guy can catch the football. He gets open. He's shifty out there. He's got that quick twitch ability. Ah man, I, th- I think he's going to play. And I said it just like I said with Swift. I said it from the moment I saw him. Akil Crumpton is going to help us win football games this year. I think not just as a punter. I think also as a receiver. And we've heard that Godwin's also also been working uh, outside a little bit more the past couple of days at practice. You're right. He, we've heard Crumpton working with the ones, so at least getting some reps with the ones more so than Miko. Although I think Miko is going to play a, a lot at that position as well. I think you're going to see a lot of those guys playing. And I think you might see multiple four wide receiver sets. So you can have two guys working out of the slot position. But I think Crumpton's going to see, see he's going to definitely see some snaps there. I think of those three, he'll probably have the most receiving yards. I don't th- I don't see Blunt playing a ton this year. At the receiver position, probably on special teams, but not so much at pure receiver. Uh, all right, next one here. Which of the following newcomers will be most likely to end up on the all-SEC freshman team? So the all-SEC freshman team this year. Uh, D'Angelo Gibbs, Isaiah Wilson, or J.J. Holloman? I'm going to go Gibbs. I think he has the ability to get a lot of notoriety with some tackles and maybe some picks and things like that. And if he, st- if he does end up starting game one, and he plays well there, performs well, and sticks there throughout the year, then absolutely. Uh, I think he could be the the guy that, of those three that ends up on the All-SEC freshman team. Wilson, we're not I, – I just think Gibbs is the most likely of those three to start. I think he'll get the most playing time, right? And I yeah. think that gives you a leg up on the other two. Uh, all right, same question, another group of guys. Which of these following newcomers will be most likely to end up on the All-SEC freshman team? Andrew Thomas, Richard LeCount, or J.J. Holliman? Repeat that, sorry. All right, so repeat the names. Yeah. All right, Andrew Thomas, Richard LeCount, or J.J. Holloman? Probably Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I mean, just like we talked about earlier, I think he's going to probably, looks like right now, I mean, things can change, but it looks like right now he's probably going to start from day one. 
Uh, and that's going to give him a leg up. LeCount is a dude, he's, he's going to be an absolute beast for us when he gets ready. Uh, and I think as soon as Dominic Sanders leaves, LeCount's going to fill that, that spot. I think he's going to play some for us this year in spots. Uh, he's going to do a lot for us on special teams. I have very little doubt about that. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to see enough playing time at a defensive position to warrant being all SEC freshmen. I just don't see it. I think Thomas, is, of those three, will be the, that guy. Man, we are agreeing too much here, man. All right, last one. Last one. See if we disagree on this. Who, when their careers are all said and done, who will throw for more yards in a Georgia uniform? Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm? Uh, I'm going to go with Fromm. I think the biggest reason is Fromm will have more around him compared to what Eason has had, especially in his first two years. I think Fromm will have a more established and better offensive line by the time he takes the reins, and I also think about better receivers. All right. Let me just play devil's advocate here for a second. I agree with everything you just said. What if we land Justin Fields? Does that change your equation? Does, does that change the equation for you? Um, I think it does because I think Fields can really pass or uh, really push Fromm because he can do certain things that Fromm can't. And I know this is obviously uh, a very much a hypothetical situation, but if we did get Fields, would he, in your mind, beat out Fromm? I think some things that Fromm has – that, you know, there's just some things that they share, but there's certain things that Fields has that makes him so much different. Gives a different aspect than Fromm. His and I know Fromm's not, I know Fromm's not immobile that he is, uh, you know, he can, he is mobile to a certain aspect, but it's just the fact that Fields is really coming on, his accuracy, his arms really getting there, and just his legs. I mean, the guy in most places has passed up Trevor Lawrence right. now. Right, so, 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 so you're telling me... Right, but so I mean, I'm not talking. I mean, I I I like from I I think he has a bright future. But if you put him up against Trevor Lawrence, there's a lot of things Lawrence has that he doesn't. Man, I love Jake from. Uh, I mean, I but, do, but you have to be realistic about their. I know, camp. I know, I know. I, I, I it's hard for me to disagree with everything you're saying, but I'll go back. So you would, you are saying that Jake Fromm's going to throw for more yards than Jacob Eason, but. Don't you feel like right now? No, you, we've talked about this off the air. You feel like right now we're the favorite to get Fields, right? Yeah. So if that ends up happening, and you just said that we're that you think Fields is going to beat out Fromm, how could Fromm possibly throw for more yards than Eason? Well, I just said it because you just gave me those two okay. options. But okay, but well, well, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. But I guess you got. I mean, you're there, making it a little complicated over there. I know, I know, I know. But I'm just, hey, you got you to factor that in there. If you're saying Jake Fromm, you get, you're assuming he's going to win the job against whoever else is is on campus, and right now it's I'm not, nobody. I'm not going to say that till till you know. Like that. I got it. I mean. It's a hypothetical. It is a hypothetical. Right now. I mean, there's a lot of hypotheticals for any position. It's definitely hypothetical. You're right. I just want to be a devil's advocate. I mean, some of the last answers, some of those kids may not even get reps if they passed up by someone else. True. Very true. It's all hypothetical. All hypothetical. Just messing with you a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going Jake Fromm. And that's not to hate on Eason. I think Eason's going to have a good year this year. I think he'll have an even better year next year. But exactly what you said, I think by the time Fromm is ready to take over, if he does indeed take the job, uh, our roster will be built out much more so than it is right now. I think we're getting there as a roster. We're much closer than we were last year, but we'll be even closer once Jake Fromm takes over a receiver at, at offensive line. I mean, God, the offensive line can be ridiculous. By the time that if Fromm, let's say Easton leaves after his junior year, if Fromm takes over uh, as a redshirt sophomore that year, or if he redshirts, we don't know. If he takes over that year, look, you're going to have Andrew Thomas, you're going to have Isaiah Wilson. You're going to have Notori. You're going to have Justin Schaefer, potentially Trey Hill, potentially Jamari Sawyer. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you would have to be terrible as a quarterback to screw that up. And the receivers are going to have the tight ends, Nada, Warner. 
I mean, dude, we're we're gonna be loaded offensively. Running backs with Zeus, Swift, maybe James Cook, whoever else comes along. I mean, things happen on the recruiting trail, but our roster will be built out at that point. So that's going to be in his favor. And you also got to factor in Easton's freshman year was not spectacular, right? We all know that. He was up and down, very inconsistent as a freshman because he started as a true freshman, whereas Fromm will have a couple years in the system under his belt, not actually running the system out in the field, but he will know the system inside now. You know that. He's going to be much better prepared when he take, takes over the range, if he does, than Eason was in year one. So he'll be able to hit the ground running, and he'll have, you know, depending on if he registers or not, this, he could have upwards near three-plus years to be the guy if it all works out as planned for him. So, yeah, uh, in that scenario, I'm probably going to go from. I'll probably agree with you, man. We agree too much, dude. It's all right. I'm sorry. Next time we'll do a little better job there. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. We want to look at it. I know it's kind of weird the way we did that. There's a lot of hypotheticals there, but we just wanted to kind of take a different, unique look at this incoming class. I know there's a lot of interest in these guys and what they might be able to do for us this year and into the future. So we appreciate you listening as always, guys. We really do. Check us out on Twitter at glory underscore UJ. Tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. Uh, you can email us glorujapodcast at gmail.com. And next week, guys, we are going to be getting into our season previews and our predictions. So definitely be looking for that. Uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, guys, go dogs.